Welcome to Beyond the Sales Floor. I'm your host, Morgan J. Ingram. And what we're going to be doing is unveiling and unpacking sales playbooks from enterprise sales leaders. On this episode, we have a very special guest. I've known this guest for a very long time, Alex Ball, VP of Sales over at Twilio. You might have heard Twilio before, uh, and they've been doing some awesome things. And he's talking about how, number one, how they run account-based models within existing accounts that they go after. Twilio is obviously a massive org and there's a lot of companies they work with. So he's talking about how are they getting in front of existing accounts and, and net new accounts through strategic ways, through their prospecting, which he's gonna uncover a little bit more. He also talks about his leadership style. What does he look for in reps and how does he get the most out of his reps across his team uh, and how he's building the sales engine at Twilio. And also the experiment they're running is very fun. I can't even spoil it for y'all. Y'all gotta listen to the first bit of this. So hopefully you'll enjoy it and see y'all in this episode. All right, buddy. Welcome to another episode of Beyond the Sales Floor. I have a special guest here, Alex, who's the VP of Sales at Twilio, but he can do a way better introduction than me. So, Alex, tell us a little bit more about yourself, and then we're going to dive right to the questions. Um, yeah, so uh, great to be here. My name is Alex. I uh, lead sales in North America for Twilio, specifically for Flex, uh, which is our contact center product. Um, prior to that, I, I spent uh, time at a company called Infobip that's based out of Europe. Um, running sales, uh, running revenue for, for North America. And then I did a long stint in Genesis. Uh, before that, I had my uh, my super fun jobs working for the Washington Capitals. Uh, so I uh, got out of the sports game into the tech game, but um, always got to keep track on them. And rough start to the season so far. So we got to <laughs> bounce back bounce back pretty quick. All right. So this is, this is not something that you knew I was going to ask. But now that you mentioned this, I have to ask. So you have a good amount of sports teams in Washington, transparently. And I can say this because I'm from Atlanta and we, we suck at most of the things we do, except for UJ football. But like, what team is going to bounce back for you? Like, is it going to be the Wizards? Is it going to be the Commanders? Is it going to be the Capitals? Like, which team is going to bring the Washington back here? So I'm, I'm not the biggest American football fan. I got two kids. They play travel yeah. soccer. So like, we're all in on DC United, missed the playoffs for the fourth year in a row fired Wayne Rooney. Like we got, there's some rebuilding to do there. Mm -hmm. um, I think the, the energy around the commanders with the new ownership group is, I mean, you can, you can tell the first game. I, and I'm not even, like I said, I'm not a huge American football fan. Uh, it was sold out. You had all these alumni from previous years that didn't like the former ownership group who yeah. all came back because, you know, fresh blood, fresh ownership group, Big investments in the stadium, big investments in the team. I mean, I think just the the momentum that is built from that, whether or not the the actual players on the field mm -hmm. change, just the the mindset shift that's going on inherently will drive better results. Yeah. So I think I think the commanders will be the bounce back, the bounce back story for uh for DC sports. I mean, we had like what 2018 and 19 was pretty solid. Caps won the the Stanley Cup, Nats won the World Series. Yeah. Uh, DC was in the playoffs, but I mean, United was in the playoffs. Uh, it's, it, you know, it's kind of gone through a lull a little bit since then. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I think there's, there's always a lull. I mean, we've, we've had a, a land Falcons about how lull since we had the 28 three, we haven't, the Falcons haven't been the same since then. So I blame the Patriots for basic, basically disenfranchising the Falcons because they have not looked the same at all since that complete decimation and the Hawks ever since LeBron, Knocked them out in the Eastern Conference Finals. They haven't looked the same either. They haven't come yeah. back, right? Uh, and traded this thing, but like just having the same. So that 
It's a good call. I, I definitely see the Commanders. I mean, I, I watch it from time to time. I'm a bigger college football fan than I am American sports, uh, American football more so, or NFL. But, like, I think college football is, like, the best. But, anyways, I do see yeah. the Commanders, like, coming, pulling up. They're doing some good stuff. But we're not here to talk about that. I was just very curious. We're talking to talk about sales. So, right now, Alex, you, you joined Twilio pretty recently. But what experiment are you running right now that you're really excited about? So, I think for us, it's um... – you know, so I joined three months ago, and for us, it's a, it's almost like a back to basics, the fundamentals, um, and I think that's something that a lot of people can take as a as a takeaway. Like as things get more advanced, new tools, new tech, everybody wants to do the next greatest thing, and sometimes we lose track of like that those fundamentals. So um, you know, one one of the big experiments we're doing is we're going through an academy for for everybody in our team. AEs, SDRs, SEs, and leadership. Everybody's doing it. Um, very, very back to basics, product knowledge, product understand, and giving a pitch. It's surprising if you go uh, and you ask everybody on your team to give the elevator pitch, the different spectrum of responses that you're going to get. Um, and I, I don't want it to be the same. I don't want that uniformity, but it's a little bit more consistency. Um, so for us, like, this, I, I wouldn't even necessarily call it an experiment, experiment. Like it's a, it's a fundamentals kind of refocus, um, getting back to basics, back to just, you know, blocking and tackling, um, and then building up from there when we go into some of the more advanced stuff. Okay. So this kind of goes into like the outbound strategy that you have with your team. When you talk about going back to basics, like what exactly does that mean? If you could like articulate that for me, is that like, Hey, like, let's go back to like how to write a cold email or how to do a cold call. Like, where, how do you think about this? Well, so you know, when I think of of back to basics, I think a lot of times the the advent of the tech sales, the 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 tech tech stack for sales enables acceleration. Like, that's the pitch. We always talk about faster prospecting, faster pipeline builds, faster deal cycles, faster close cycles. But inevitably, if you're if you're not solid on the basics, on the fundamentals, you're just skipping steps and you're relying on the tech to, to skip the steps for you. And, and I mean, sometimes it works, but more often than not, I think you find yourselves with some, some gaping holes and deals that, uh, you know, as a result, you have risk there. So when we talk about going back to basics, it's, um, it is not necessarily like the fundamentals of how do you write that cold email, but it's thinking through the purpose for the cold email. Rather than just sending out the the blanket pre-canned message, yep. it's personalizing it and it's tailor you know tailoring it. And I I'm a big fan of AI and I think what AI is doing in the tech world is super strong. I yep. hate the AI personalized sales emails because they're they don't they're, they're not they don't feel real. They're not uh, yeah they're, they're just not it. You're not using it at all for outbound. No, I'm not me personally. Uh, I mean, I, I've got, I've got some, I've got some, I've got some, uh, uh, we'll call it like target accounts that are in my eyes, like dream accounts for me that I would love to break into. Um, and so I, I do that with our team. I tell our, our AEs and our SDRs, like if you've got those, those high level accounts, like leverage me. One of the things that I took away, um, when I was at Infobet, that one of the messages that we had is everybody prospects top down, everybody in the whole company you're an SDR. Your your job is to be 
calling, emailing, using your network, figuring out how you can get into opportunities. Um, and so I, we do that with our team where I have them send me accounts that they're trying to crack into and we divide and conquer. And I can I, you know, I go for certain targets and they go for different targets and see how we can, we can penetrate in. But yeah, on those, I, I, I hate the AI stuff. I mean, I, I'll use it. I use it a ton. I'm on ChatGPT all day long, but right. um, I, I don't use it for crafting those emails. Cause I think we, when you lose that personalization side, the, the, the human personalization side right. uh, is when it just kind of gets noisy. So yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I think the best thing when I tell people to, if they're going to use it is use it to get you about 80% of the way there. Right. And if you're getting 80% of the way there, then you're, you're set. Right. And you can then add your own human element to it. So you mentioned that you have like target accounts, your team's going after it. Could you walk through with, I mean, you don't have to go too, too deep, but like when it comes to Twilio and you're going after these target accounts with your team, what models are you running? Account-based model? Is it pods? Like what's going on there? Yeah. So we, we segment into um, kind of, you can you loosely think of as like an enterprise and a commercial. Um, right. When we we're doing ABM and in, in our top accounts are, are you know really solid ICP accounts that would be the, the the really good customers, both from a size perspective, from a technical requirements, and and just a good fit with the industries that we play in. And in commercial, we were we were taking a, a broader kind of more industry specific type ICP specific type uh, marketing approach, so a little bit more drip campaigns, a little bit broader reach. Um, not, I mean, certainly not as investment heavy as an ABM campaign is, uh, on our mm. high end accounts. Um, and so it, it kind of spans the, the gamut there. Okay. And then as you're going in these and doing this outbound, I know everyone's different on this and this actually might kind of play into like how you look at forecasting for your team as well. Are you running a qualification method? like a band? Are you just saying, okay, we, we know the meetings we need to schedule. Once it's scheduled, it doesn't matter. Let's what's going on there. Yeah, we're doing, uh, so it's, it's interesting. We're doing this, we've got a band qualification framework that we use today. Uh, that's, mm. you know, relatively standard, I would say in, um, you know, nothing, nothing super crazy. And it, one of the things that we're, we're really iterating on now is that in, the um, in the current environment or right, buying cycles are taking longer. Um, so landing those meetings early is beneficial to the deal. It's beneficial to Twilio. It's beneficial yeah. to, um, us, you know, being able to craft how that deal is shaped, but it might not be an opportunity yet, like by the traditional definitions of like a band. So we're, we're working through like this almost interim stage in between that cold prospect and that hot opportunity to like. I've, I've called it like a warm up stage, like a heat up or like a, you know, a hot zone or something that gives us this right. runway where, you know, we have a, we had an SDR that landed a, a meeting with a super high executive at a large financial institution, like awesome success to get that deal, to get that meeting booked. Yeah. And the, the executive is like, yeah, we're going to do an RFP in 24, probably for a purchase in 25. Well, that's how big financial services companies work. Yeah. So, but through like a traditional band of saying like, oh, there's a timing of 12 months, like that's not an opportunity. But my rep is like, that's a win. Like getting yeah. that, getting that meeting is a massive win that we need to celebrate, reward, incentivize. And now we're talking to, you know, this financial institution and crafting what will hopefully be 
uh, you know, successful RFP, that might not happen for another six to nine months, but that's yep. still a win. Um, and so like we're, we're tweaking and iterating on some of the stuff. Obviously we're in, in the tail end of the year, we don't change the rules half, you know, three quarters mm -hmm. of the way through the year. So we, we're not, uh, we're not disrupting too much, but we're thinking about how, you know, when we go into 2024, what are some of the small little tweaks that we can make to incentivize that behavior so that we get into those meetings early because in like a, an account based approach, it's exactly what you need. Yeah. So, I mean, this is actually interesting. So this, it sounds like you want to make sure that you're contextualizing what you're doing and how you're going about it when it comes to your qualification, because one person's qualification of saying, Oh, 12 months, that might be bad. And in this scenario, that's actually good because of the context of where you're in and what's going on. Yeah. And I think it's also, it also goes, I think it's going to vary based on the, the company that you're talking to based on sure. their average sales cycles, their average price points, like all those different things factor into whether or not an RFP that's going to come out of the tail end of 24 is a good conversation to be in now. Right. right? If that was a, um, you know, in our average deal size, uh, because of the type of company it is, those deals are going to take 24 months anyway. Like that's the, that's the fair time frame for that to, to be, you know, they're in a, a much more transactional basis. You're, you're probably not getting super excited about that because the deal sizes are going to be smaller. You're looking for stuff that's going to close in the next 30 days, 45 days. Um, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in this contact center space, the CX space that where the, the average cycle times are going to be at a minimum three to six months, probably more average three to nine, 12 months. Um, but again, big accounts like strategic type accounts, yeah, they're going to take a while. So yeah. we got to celebrate that as a win, uh, just through the lens of what we're, we're looking at. Yeah, no, I, I like that celebrating the small wins and getting the most out of it. And I want to transition into like how you're actually getting your team to execute these strategies and the motions, which is the tech stat. So we, we clearly are hearing that ChatGPT is not in your team's tech stack. You're still using it, but not in the team's tech what, stack. So yeah, yeah. So, oh, no, so but how are you, you what, what tech stack are you using then? Like, what are you doing? So it actually is in our tech stack. So we have a, we have a, okay. we have a, um, you know, a publicized partnership with OpenAI. So we're a, we're a, we're a ChatGPT company. Um, we've got it baked yeah. into our products. Uh, we've internally built uh iterations of gpt that are focused on twilio so like mm -hmm. our sdrs use that our aes use it it's infused with all twilio knowledge uh which is super helpful and uh you know it's just a, a an offshoot of chat gpt4 that's pre-baked with all twilio information so we use that a ton i'm saying like for me my personal prospect okay. okay. i'm not using it but the team is got definitely it. okay okay um, the team's definitely using it we use outreach um, we use Gong, um, you know, kind of a, a sixth sense, uh, you know, all the, we've got a strong, a strong tech stack. And I think the, the execution of that, obviously we've got really well built out sequences. We've got cadences that work really well. Um, where I am trying to get a little bit more kind of unique is in those executive level prospecting messages, bringing something that's not, um, you know, not something that can be done in a sequence, something that is personalized at a very granular level. I mean, one of the things that I love about our product is you can build it. Like it's, it's a, I mean, it's a real product. Um, you don't have, to, it's not vaporware. It's not pre-canned in uh, some like server that nobody can access. 
Like anybody can go to the website, go to Twilio.com, sign up for an account, click create, and you've got the account. So when when I think about super high level executive level prospecting, I'm building what I think you might like. And then I'm sending you that. Instead of sending you an email saying, you know, let's set up five minutes to go look at it, say just look at it now. You don't even need okay. to call me. Like I built the whole thing for you. That I think is super powerful and it stands out. And I think, you know, we, we operate in a relatively crowded space. Um, and so you got to be different. Every, you know, everybody's using some sort of sequences. So the people, the individuals or the companies that are standing out and being unique and different, I think are the ones that are going to get the responses. So you kind of walk through that, but how are you enabling your team to think that way, especially new people are, are new people allowed to do that? That's, that's the yeah. first question. Um, and then the second question is how do you enable people to do that? Is that you, you mentioned an example, could that be a video? Is it a screenshot? Like what's going on there? Yeah. So I mean the, the enablement on, on a user level is with this Academy that we're doing. So like I said, okay. everybody's going through this baseline Academy. So you got to know the product inside and out. And like, that sounds, that sounds like basics, but you'd be surprised how many people go to work and they say, yeah, I'm a, you know, I'm a sales rep. I'm a BDR. I'm an SDR. My job is to prospect and create meetings and hand it off. And I would re tweak that to say your, your job is to find problems to solve. You're, you're a problem solver, not a meeting center. And so in order to really efficiently solve those problems, you got to know what you're working with. You got to know the tools. And right. I think when, when we do that enablement and we've seen already some really good successes with it, like we've done this enablement and the conversations and the kind of that value edge pitch, that sharp edge to kind of get that hook becomes a lot more um, interesting when you can tie it back to this like value creation that we can do with our product. And on top of that, if you can then show it in like a 30 second clip and you're, you're getting, you're getting the meetings, you're getting the, the conversations that you want. And they're starting from a place that that prospects showing up saying you've already done all the research, not all yep. the research, but you've done a ton of research clearly because you were able to get me with this value proposition. You already showed me some of the demo, some of the product. So I'm intrigued yeah. by that. Like we're starting two or three steps down the pathway. Whereas before, you know, you might be spending the first 15 minutes as an intro. Now we're already past the intro because we've already done that legwork. Okay. So you're already past the intro. You've already done the legwork. So I'm assuming this little transition to like what I want to talk about next, which is forecasting. Have you noticed when you set meetings with the way that you describe that the, the deal moves faster than, than the deals that don't do that? It's a good question. Honestly, there's probably not enough uh runway yet for for me to uh Fair. truly make that that call you know because uh i think we're just we're really a couple weeks this this academy process that we've um kind of rolled out so i think the the jury's still out on some of that i think whether or not the deals move faster i think we will see the deals be more solid i think our you yeah. know going through our qualification uh framework so we use medpick going through medpick um i think with this better product fit story that's that's i mean honestly it's one of our our biggest challenges is that 
Twilio can do so much stuff. Like we have so yeah. many tools that anybody can be a customer. In fact, we have 300,000 plus customers. Like it's, there's a lot of different applications for it. And so I, I'm, I'm working on us narrowing down those applications a bit so that we're a little bit more surgical, a little bit more deliberate about the, the meetings that we get into, because we know when we get into the right opportunities, they transact at the right time frame. They transact for a higher dollar amount. The customers are happier because we're having the right conversations um, and we're actually solving the problem for them versus the ones that were like, you know, square peg, round hole, let's jam it in there. And then six months later, they're like, this doesn't really solve my problem. Yeah. Um, so I think I, I haven't necessarily seen the deals progress from a speed perspective, just because the, the you know, um, sample size is not quite there yet, but I definitely have seen those deals be stronger, um, kind of fundamentally, like we're, we're we've got better metrics to go off of. We've got the right buyers in the conversations. We're having, you know, the, the right early conversations with both the technical side of the house, but also the business side of the house. And so I think we're, I think we'll see those deals that we run through this process be a lot, I'll have a lot higher close rate. Whether or not it goes faster, I think we'll we'll have to kind of see that as it as it progresses. Okay. At this point, we increase the close rates. That's that's just as good as increasing the speed. Oh, that's true. That's true, right? Uh, both is what we always want, right? <laughs> but, yeah. but one, either or is going to be good. So even you want to dive a little deeper into this. So there's pro you mentioned metrics that you're tracking for the deals. What are those metrics? And then if it's at risk. What are you doing to help your team not make it at risk and close that deal? So, well, when I was saying metrics specifically within MedPick, I'm talking about metrics within the customer. Um, yeah. So it's tying to, um, I mean, at the end of the day, it's either making more money or saving more money. It's the only reason I anybody's buying uh, buying anything. And I think for us in that kind of contact center space, that usually comes through in either making the contact center a revenue driver, uh, which is where a lot of organizations are leaning in now, especially as new customer acquisition costs increases, there's this kind of focus on let's retain what we have, let's nurture our customers better and potentially turn them into more revenue through customer retention. So we certainly see that as a talking point with customers is like, how, how do we enable at an agent level, more ability to serve customers faster. Right. And I think our, our product is, is really good at that. In order to be able to show that in a demo and to be able to create like a powerful experience for that buyer, we got to know what those metrics are. We got to know, you know, how many customers do you have? What's their average lifetime value? Like what's the target lifetime value? How many touch points do you typically have? Like those type of metrics. I think are really interesting to know. And those are not like the typical metrics of well, how many agents do you have? <laughs> right. What channels yeah. do they use? Right. They're, they're much more business metrics. Um, and that's something that I think we're, we're doing a good job of uncovering. And then um, the second part of the question was when, when we, when we see that softness, how do we kind of course correct to get, get past yeah. it? It's, you know, I just finished reading the, the jolt effect uh, book. Um, yeah. Yeah. Great book freaking loved it. Um, and you know, in that it talks so much about customer indecision. And so a lot of times when, 
when we see these deals kind of softening a bit or, you know, they're, and I never knew this until I read the book, but I see though, but all the signs are all the same. Let's yeah, see it's all there demo. though. <laughs> Let's see another demo. Let's, you know, we want to make sure we're, we're covering all the bases. We want to leave no stone unturned. I'm like, all of these are the signs of indecision. So, you know, we're trying to figure out how do we take, um, you know, nuggets from the book and, and bring that into reality, reducing risk, uh, taking some of the, the long-term risk of making that decision off the table. So we do a lot more POCs. Uh, like I said, the product is a live product. We can get a POC set up in about 45 minutes. Um, yeah. And so proactively going to a customer and saying, hey, totally get it. Like you've been looking at this for three months. You want to see another demo. I don't think anything's going to change if I show you another demo. Let's actually install the product for you. We'll give it to you for 30 days and you know, put it through your test on your side, not on our computer. And that that certainly puts the custom puts the ball back in their court to kind of uh, make a little decision uh, one way or another. And if they say no, then you're like, all right, that's not a deal. We're winning. Like let's yeah. let's cut you know let's cut our losses, shake hands, part ways, and say if you're you know get serious about it, come back again. We'll be happy to have another conversation with you. But if if you're gonna ask for another demo but decline this kind of risk mitigation tactic, odds are it's not a deal we're gonna win. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's completely fair. So I, I think we, we've broken down ways that you think about outbound strategy. We've broken down the forecasting. We now have the outlook of what Washington sports looks like. But ultimately, right, like let's let's recap here and let's get to the last question, which is, OK, we're 2023 basically is almost over at this point. We only got like a couple of real business weeks left. So as we go into Q1 2024, what are the three core focuses that leaders should have right now as they're looking at their go-to-market function? I mean, I think the, you know, certainly my focus is on um, pipeline. Yeah. I, you know, I, I think I learned that from you. A, a fat pipeline solves a lot of problems. It does. Um, and so I think that that's a big focus for us, but, but being really, uh, really surgical on the type of customers that we want to get, um, I think is, is really key for, for us. I, I, I took this from a partner that we were, I was in Barcelona. Um, it was in March of last year and we went to this, this partner event and they had all their sales reps and their partners in, and the, the opening pitch was here's our ideal customer, like very well-defined, very tight box. And they said, from an outbound perspective, if you're not in this box, we're not calling you. We're not investing EBM dollars. We're not investing what, like nothing. If you're coming inbound and raising your hand, I'll talk to you all day. But our our highest success, our highest you know revenue clients, our our most successful renewals, all fit in this box. So this is what we're mm -hmm. going to go after. Um, so we're we're doing that. We're kind of not redefining, but certainly refocusing on an ICP. I think that's an exercise that is is valid for anybody in in this space right now especially when these deals are taking longer um so pipeline creation kind of redefining or or sharpening who the ideal customer is and then investing in the people like our our team we've got an amazing sales enablement team and uh it's amazing that the type of quality of stuff that they put out but i think yeah. that's one of the biggest um you know kind of secret weapons that we have because I, I don't know the exact quote, you'll have to look it up. 
But Mark Cuban has some quote that says, if you're not the most prepared salesperson walking in to the to that customer, you've already yeah. lost because somebody else is better prepared. Yeah. You. Oh, yeah. You can say that about from, you know, from a BDR, SDR perspective, like if you're making that call and you don't know the most amount of information about that person you're you're calling, somebody else does. Um, and so it's that kind of drive to always be at the top of your game. Um, and so I think big investment in sales enablement, uh, more, more so like not just tools, but the actual people that enable the tools, uh, I think is a big... Um, a big asset that that we have that we're you know continuing to invest in as we try to build a team that is the best team at any company yep love it i think that's a positive and great note to end on uh for y'all listening uh definitely pay more attention to who you have on both your people invest into them get them to even be better leaders across the organization and, and continuously guide them into where they need to go. So I appreciate everyone listening in to Alex's insights. There's a good amount of stuff there for you all to check out um, beyond the sales floor and we'll see you all the next time.